want to just take a moment or two before we dig into the Word of God just to maybe make you aware of a couple other things that I just hope you'll be engaged in and committed to over these next few weeks. Coming up at the end of the month, we've got an event. It's, it is our biggest event that we put on for the community every year. Uh, it's called Trunk or Treat, and we open up our property, and we park cars around here. People decorate their, their cars, their trunks, and we have thousands of pieces of candy sponsored by all of the dentists in town. Uh, they love us for it. Um, but we give out literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of candy. We have a couple thousand people that will be on our campus. And it's just a fun night for families to come and be exposed to our campus and to our church just to make connections. And we really just try to create a safe and fun environment for kids uh, at, at the end of this month. And so we want to encourage you to be engaged in that. And I think this is something that everybody can play a role in. So some of you will want to decorate your trunk. You're going to want to pull your car into one of the spots that we designate, and you're going to want to, you know, put on your, your costumes, dress up like Power Rangers or whatever you want to do, and and just come and, and have a fun time putting on a trunk, making connections with kids and families, and just, just expressing love to them and, and, and showing kindness and a, and a safe, fun place for them to hang out. And if you want to do that, you can sign up to, to do a trunk. Some of you are like, no, I'm not putting any kind of costume on, but I'm still willing to help because we actually need a lot of people to do things that are not trunks. We have food to make and we need to hand out candy and we need to welcome people and give directions in the parking lot and there are all kinds of jobs that you can do. And so if you don't want to decorate a trunk, that's fine. Just come and serve and help out. And, and then there's something that everybody can do. We need candy. And so you're going to go to the store this week because you're going to need something in your life. And so as you're there, just remember... Just pick up a bag of candy, buy it, bring it to church next week. You can drop it off at the kids' check-in area. You can leave it at the Welcome Center. You can bring it to the office during the week. And, and so we want to encourage you to do that. And while you're at it, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. I particularly like Hershey chocolate bars. So get a bag of candy for Trunk or Treat and a Hershey's chocolate bar. It's a win-win, Okay. Just saying. So um, this one, I encourage you to be involved in Trunk or Treat coming up this month. And, and here's the thing. Uh, one other thing that you can do, and we're going to actually give you some invite cards a little bit later in the month. But one of the things that you can do is look for families that you know and just invite them to come and hang out and be a part of that night. And, and we're going to help you do that. We're going to equip you for that. So I wanted you to be aware of that. And then I wanted to give you a quick, quick update on our partnership with uh, the Pilgrim Wesleyan Church in Zambia. Over the last three weeks, we've collected an offering to kind of launch our partnership with African Wesleyan University College, which will be the first Wesleyan University outside of North America. And Lakeview Church is one of the founding partner churches of this new initiative. And over the last few weeks, we've collected an offering. And you'll remember our goal was for you as a congregation to give $3,000, and then we had a matching gift of $3,000. So that our initial gift would be $6,000. And, and I just simply asked everybody in the church just to ask the Lord, what does he want you to give? And then just to be faithful in giving what he laid on your heart to give. And, and, and you guys, you guys, you gave 
$6,613. That's worth applauding for. And when you combine that with the $3,000 match, that's $9,613 as our initial gift to this partnership. And I think we ought to just take 30 seconds and just praise the Lord for his provision. So can we do that? Now, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 14. We are in week six of a seven-week series. Pastor Jessica referred to it earlier in this service, this message series that we are in called Conversations with Jesus. And we've been walking through the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament. Remember, the Bible is divided into two parts, Old Testament, New Testament. In the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament are known as the Gospels, and they tell the story of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. And we've been looking at the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, and specifically, we've been kind of zeroing in on conversations that Jesus has with individuals and with groups of people to see what we can learn about Jesus and what we can learn about what it means for us to follow him. And this morning, we're in John chapter 14, and I want to read for you verses 1 through 14 as kind of the the background of this conversation, and then we're just going to unpack it together. So if you have a Bible, John chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are three or four things that I think are important for us to see in this conversation. I want to just kind of walk through them here as quickly as I can. And the the first one that I want you to see is the destination that Jesus is talking about. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for every single human being, and he spends this conversation with his disciples to talk about the final destination that he desires every single person to experience. He's talking about heaven. 
He's talking about the final place where we are all going to go, the kind of end game of humanity, that in his mind and in his heart, this is what he longs for each and every person on this planet, that they would go to this place called heaven. And Jesus spent some time talking about the destination of heaven in this conversation. And and you can see this in verses two and three. So I want to encourage you to just look at that. And we're going to put those on the screen for you. In verses two and three, what you read is this. You read Jesus saying, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? In verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I want to spend just a moment or two on these two verses because I think that Jesus is helping us understand something about heaven in this conversation. And and I think it's interesting not just to explore what Jesus said, but to just identify what Jesus did not say in these verses. As Jesus is talking with his disciples, he does not spend a lot of time, in fact, he doesn't spend any time talking about the environment of heaven. Notice he doesn't say, guys, the streets are made of gold. He doesn't say that in this conversation. There are other verses in the Bible that we could go to 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 talk about that if we wanted to, but not in this conversation. He doesn't say, guys, there's a crystal river that flows and there are these trees and the leaves of these trees are healing for the nations. He doesn't get into that. There's other passages that we could go to if we wanted to talk about that reality this morning, but not in this conversation. Jesus doesn't talk about that. He doesn't mention streets of gold or pearly gates. He doesn't talk about mansions over the hilltop or or this great feast that we're going to have when we get there. Can I get an amen for the feast that we're going to have when we get there? And it's going to be calorie free. It's amazing. I can't wait. Like, um, he doesn't talk about that in this conversation. Again, there are other places in the Bible where we could go if we were doing a study of everything the Bible says about heaven. But this morning we're in this conversation and I want to just point out what Jesus doesn't talk about so that you don't miss what he does talk about. Jesus doesn't talk about the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of heaven in this conversation because he's not talking about what heaven is going to be like, what it's going to look like, or what it's going to feel like. This conversation is not about any of that. This conversation is about revealing the purpose of heaven. He's not interested in telling you what it's going to be like or what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like. He's talking about what it's for. And if we spend all of our time thinking about streets of gold and mansions over the hilltop and all of that stuff, we will miss the point that Jesus is making in this conversation. So if we go back to these verses and we just unpack them, we see there's more than enough room in my father's home. Let's just stop there for a minute. What Jesus is saying is that everybody can come. There's never going to be a moment where Jesus is going to say, we're full. 
If you don't have a reservation, if you don't already have a, a room booked in this place, then I'm so sorry. You're going to have to find somewhere else to go. No, there's more than enough room in my father's home. That's the very first thing that Jesus is telling us about heaven, that eternity is spacious. There is plenty of room for everyone who wants to come. Anybody can, can enter in to this reality. He moves on from that phrase to say that if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? It's important for us to understand that in this conversation, there are things that we know that the disciples in this conversation don't yet know. They're not quite clear on the fact that in a little bit of time, Jesus is going to die on the cross. That he's going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he'll be raised again to new life. And some 40 days after that, he's going to ascend to be with his father. They don't know all of that. But we do. We're on the other side of that and we're looking back. So there's information we have that they don't have. But it's important for you to understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you here and I'm going to go there. I'm going to actually be separated from you. I'm not going to stay here with you on this earth. I'm going to go back to my father's home and I'm going to get everything ready for you so you can come there later. This is important for us to understand, particularly as Christmas is coming. And I know that we haven't really thought about that yet, but it's coming. I mean, Jessica let the cat out of the bag a little bit earlier that Christmas is on the way and we got Christmas shoeboxes back there. It's coming. And, and we celebrate at Christmas the fact that Jesus has come. The Son of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Father who sent him. And he has lived among us. He's identified with us in every way. He gave his life on the cross. He was buried. He was raised again. And he has ascended. And he is now with the Father in his Father's home. And he is making a place for us. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to separate from you for a while. I'm going to go be with the Father, and I'm going to make preparations for you. Look at the next phrase. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. This is the promise that we actually celebrate in the season of Advent. That's the season that we kind of think about it's when all the Christmas trees come out here at church and we put all the lights up and we kind of get in the, in the heart of the season, right? And we're thinking about the baby in Bethlehem's manger, but that's actually not what Advent is about. Advent is about recognizing Christ has come, but it's more about the fact that he will come again. Jesus came as the baby in the manger, but he is going to come back as the victorious king. At least one person is excited about the fact that Jesus is going to come back as a victorious king. And now three people have joined you. It's so great. 
Jesus has come. He is coming again. And he says, when I get everything ready, I'm going to come back for you. And this is the promise of scripture. First Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that one day, one day, the trumpet of God will sound. And on that day and in that moment, Jesus will come back for his people. And when he comes back, those who are dead in Christ, those who have believed in Jesus and walked in relationship with him, who have already died, they're going to be raised again, just like Jesus was raised. This is what we say in the Apostles' Creed, that we believe in the resurrection of the body. Not just that you go to heaven when you die, but when Jesus comes back, you will be raised from the dead just like Jesus was raised from the dead. And after that, all of us who are still alive, if we we have not died in the Lord, in that moment, we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And that which is mortal, our mortal bodies will be clothed with immortality. And all of us, those who have been raised from the dead and those who, who are alive that have been changed, we will be with him forever. This is the promise and the hope of the church. Jesus says, there's plenty of room. Eternity is spacious. Everybody can come. And he says, I'm, I'm gonna leave you for a little while. I'm gonna go get things ready. When everything's ready, I'm coming back for you. And then the next phrase is where Jesus reveals the purpose of heaven. And the purpose of heaven is wrapped up in this last phrase of verse three, so that you will always be with me where I am. Maybe you haven't thought about this, but right now, heaven without us is just the place where God lives. But when Jesus takes us to be with the Father, then it will be heaven for God. Because the whole reason he's preparing the place is so we can be with him. And for us right now, as we think about heaven What will make it heaven for us is that we get to be in the presence of God for all of eternity. This is God's plan for us. I don't mean to downplay mansions and streets of gold and feasts. I don't mean to downplay that at all. I'm just going to tell you right now, none of that, none of that is going to matter. It's just not going to matter. When you get there, you are not going to be looking at the streets. Except when you're face down on them, worshiping the God who saved you from your sins. The God who is holy, holy, holy. The God who is worthy of all worship and all praise and all adoration. All that other stuff isn't going to matter because you're going to be in the presence of God. That's what makes it heaven. It's all about God being with his people and his people being with God. That's what heaven is for all of eternity. Just God being with his people and his people being with their God. And this is what God wants for every single one of us. This is his plan and his desire that we would all live in relationship with him beginning now and stretching all the way into eternity. That we would be in relationship 
with God. Now, the second thing from this conversation is how are we going to get there, right? The way. I love how Jesus says, you guys know the way. And Thomas is like, time out, Lord. Uh, We don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. You got to fill us in on the conversation here. And Thomas is, is bold enough and brave enough to just say, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about here. Uh, you got to fill us in. And so Jesus says, oh, you do know the way. Because I'm the way and you know me. Right? In verse 5, Thomas is saying, show us the way, Lord. We, you got to explain it to us. And Jesus says, oh, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes into a relationship with the Father except through me. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of our time on this phrase, but, but I need to spend enough time to just answer a concern that people raise about this verse. Because I've heard people say that this verse is very narrow-minded. Some people have even used it to say that Christianity is kind of an exclusive religion, that it excludes people from getting in. And and it can even be seen as a phrase that makes us bigots or full of hate towards others who don't believe like us. And I I don't read this verse that way. I think this verse is not a verse meant to exclude people. It's a verse that's meant to invite people. It's a verse that says anybody can come. Anybody can walk on this way. Jesus isn't saying, I'm the way for really nice people. Or I'm the way for people that look like this or think like this or behave like this. Jesus is just saying, I'm the way for anybody who will believe. Anybody who will enter into a relationship with me and and by entering into relationship with me is entering into relationship with my father. Anybody, right? Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? It's it's not meant to limit to say, you gotta look like this or talk like this or think like this. You gotta be a hockey fan or you can't get in. Jesus doesn't set parameters like that. He just says, even football fans can come in. All you gotta do is believe in Jesus. And and, and think about it. Sometimes this phrase gets communicated as if it's not loving, as if it's very narrow-minded. And and I, I agree, we live in a time that's full of political correctness and find the way of least offensiveness. And so when when we have somebody who's saying, no, this is the way, it can be offensive to our culture, except what if you had a disease that was going to take your life, and a thousand people came to you, and 999 of them were just offering suggestions. They didn't have any research to back it up. They didn't have any knowledge of what they were talking about. They were just saying, what if you tried this? Maybe that would heal you. Or what if you did this? Maybe that will heal you. Or, or, or if you just rub some dirt on it, right? And they just had all kinds of, of, of old wives' tales to help you find a cure. But what if one out of the thousand that came to you said, I have spent my entire life researching the disease that you have. And even though it's very rare, I have found a cure. Would it be unloving for that person who had found the cure to say to you, forget everything else these other people are telling you because none of that's going to work. Only this is going to work. 
Would you call that person who has found the cure, who's sharing that with you, would you say to them, you're such a bigot. You're so full of hate. I can't believe you're not giving equal merit to the other 999 ideas that we have received in this moment that could potentially help me in this reality. Or would you say, no, the person who has found the cure, who's willing to say, I know all of these people are well-meaning. They love you. They want what's best for you. They want you to be healed. They want you to be whole. But I'm telling you right now, I have researched this and I know that this is the way for you to be saved. That doesn't feel hateful to me. That feels loving and gracious and compassionate to say, I have found the cure and here it is. I believe that is the Christian faith. It's the only reason I do what I do. And some of you are here and maybe church is new to you. Maybe Jesus is new to you and you're not really sure what you think about all of this. And I would just encourage you to stay with us. You don't have to figure it all out today. In fact, I'm not sure anybody in this room's got it all figured out. We're just all on a journey together. I just want you to stay in the conversation with us. And, and I want you to know that I believe Jesus is the only way. Not because he's hateful or because he's narrow-minded or because he's some kind of bigot who just has it out for everyone else. No, I believe Jesus is the way because he is the son of God. And the father is in him and he is in the father and he came to this earth to show us who God is and he invites us freely to step into a relationship with him which is the cure for what ails humanity. And there is no other cure. There are lots of good ideas in this world and there are lots of good things and lots of religions that do lots of good work and I'm not criticizing or tearing any of them down. I am just simply telling you that Jesus is the only one who can forgive your sins. Jesus is the only one who can do a miracle in your life of making you a brand new creation. And he is the only one who can set you on a brand new course for your life that will allow you to live in a relationship with the God of the universe who created your soul. And you need to give yourself fully to him. And if you do, he will not only forgive you, but he will change you and he will set you on a course of walking with him now all the way into eternity. And you can spend all of forever in his presence living in relationship with him, which is what he designed us for. We know the destination. We know the way. The third thing I want to just point out is the mission. Jesus has given to those of us who are in relationship with him a mission. It's not an easy one, but it's pretty simply stated in this passage of scripture. And you can see it if you look at verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. In fact, you'll do even greater things than I have done. What Jesus is saying is our mission, if we're already in relationship with Jesus Christ, our mission is to just simply do what Jesus was doing. 
And what was Jesus doing? He was living in relationship with the Father and he was making it his primary goal to make the Father known to the world. That's your job. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your job is to go out into the world and make the Father known so that people can live in relationship with him through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's our job. We go out into the world and our mission is to represent him well, to to live in the character of Christ so that when people encounter us, they see us treating them the way Jesus would treat them if Jesus were living our lives. It's what it means to be a Christian. And we go out and we love and we care and, and we serve and we minister in the name and character of Jesus Christ. And then we open our mouths and we tell them about who God is and we invite them into a relationship with him. Notice our mission is not to go out and judge the world. Our mission isn't to go out and condemn the world. Our mission isn't to go out and conquer the world. Our mission isn't to go out in the world and tell them that they are wrong and we are right. Jesus assigned us none of that work. The only work that he asked us to do was just to carry on his work of revealing the Father to the world. And we do that by living a Christ-like life and by opening our mouths and sharing the gospel with the people around us. And if we do that, Jesus says, you can go out and do that and you'll be able to ask for anything you want in my name and I'll give it to you. Now, this doesn't mean go out and live for Jesus and then ask him for a new Range Rover. I've tried. It doesn't work. This is not go out and live for for Jesus and then ask for the things you want. It's as you're on mission with Jesus, revealing the Father, you can ask Jesus for anything that you need to do that work, and he will give it to you. Why? Because the Son's only mission is to bring glory to the Father. And when you're seeking to bring glory to the Father, Jesus says, I can help you with that. Ask for what you need, and I'll help you. We've talked about the destination. We've talked about how we're going to get there. We've talked about our job. I want to just come back. One more thing about this conversation. I want to just remind us about the access. Again, I think there's a, a big key in thinking about what Jesus is teaching here to think that somehow Jesus has narrowed it down to say only this little select group of people can get in. And I want to just, just kind of throw that out because I don't think that's true. I don't think Jesus is saying, I just, I'm just looking for these few people who fit this very narrow criteria. Jesus is actually in this conversation saying, everybody, there's plenty of room Eternity is spacious. We're not going to run out of spots. So if you want to come into a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ so that you can live in relationship with the God who created you, not just now, but into all of eternity, there's plenty of room. The access is wide open. You ever been in an environment where They throttle back the gateway that you use to get on the internet. It slows everything down and just lets a few people on and helps us figure out who's sanctified and who's not. 
because the unsanctified people get really mad when you throttle back the internet in a guest network, right? But if you think about it, Jesus doesn't throttle back the access. He doesn't say, just, just these people who meet this criteria, the people who look the way I want them to look, who think the way I want them to think. No, Jesus says, everybody, anybody, whoever believes in me will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is a promise from God's own heart. And this morning, some of you are here and, and this whole Jesus idea is new to you. Maybe, maybe church is new to you. And I'm just telling you this morning, you might be here today and you might sense something stirring inside of you. You don't know what it is. You can't put words to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some words. Because in the book of Revelation, chapter three, verse 20, we're told Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone would open the door, I'll come in. And the passage says, I'll actually eat with them. In other words, we'll have relationship together. We'll, we'll have an intimate connection because we're gonna eat together. We're gonna share life together. And some of you are sensing that this morning. You're sensing that God is inviting you into that relationship. And I just want to let you know, he's not going to knock the door down. He just knocks. He doesn't bust in on you. He doesn't make you open the door. He doesn't, he doesn't make you come into a relationship with, you, with him. He just invites you. He says, just, if you just open the door, I'll come in. We'll have a relationship, and that relationship will start today, and it will go through all of eternity. Because he's right now preparing a place for anybody who would put their faith and their trust in him. And when everything's ready, he's coming back. And he's coming back so that we can be in the place where he is forever. And so this morning, if you're here and you're sensing maybe God's inviting me into that, I just wanna, I just wanna let you know God's not here to condemn. If you hear a condemning voice, that's not the voice of God. God never says, you're a bad person. How come you did that? God says, I wanna invite you into a new life. It's not a condemning voice, it's an inviting voice. And God's inviting you right now. So what I'd love for us to do in this moment, if everybody would just bow their heads and close their eyes. I don't want anybody looking around because there are some people in the room who need a moment right now just to respond to what God is asking of them in this moment. And in just a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, a prayer that will help you step across the line of faith if in fact you sense the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart this morning. And all I want you to do, if that's you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you out, I'm not inviting you forward. All I'm asking you to do this morning is if you wanna accept the invitation to put your faith in Jesus Christ, and follow him for the rest of your life and live in relationship with him now all the way into eternity. All I want you to do right where you're at is just raise your hand and just lift it up high. I wanna pray for you. Would there be anybody in this room this morning? I see that hand. Is there another hand this morning? Someone else that would just say, you know what, I wanna accept his invitation today. Just lift it up high. 
anybody else. All right, you can put your hands down. I want us just to go to the Lord in prayer. And for those of you who raised your hands, I want to just encourage you, as I'm praying this prayer, I want you to make this prayer your own. So you can repeat after me, you can say it out loud or just say it quietly in your heart. But I want you to pray this prayer. God, thank you for your invitation to a relationship. Thank you, God, that you want to know me and you want me to know you. Thank you, God, for the work of Jesus Christ who died for my sins and who was raised again so I can have life. I put my faith and my trust in Jesus today. I ask you to forgive my sins, to make me a new person and to set me on a new path. And God help me to live every day to grow in relationship with you so that I can become the person you want me to be and so that I can live in eternity with you. And God, thank you now for the work that you are doing to save my soul and to change my life. And we pray these things this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Congregation, can we celebrate with those who just made a decision to follow Jesus? We are living in a time where God's doing a great work among us here at Lakeview Church. And I want to just encourage every single one of us to just keep leaning in to what God's doing. God's doing something special here in this place. And so I want to encourage you to lean in for your own spiritual journey. Invite your friends to be a part. And let's just continue to seek God together as a church family. I want to invite you to stand as we come to the end of our service this morning. I want to just give you some words of blessing as you go from this place. My brothers and sisters, as you leave this place today, go today remembering that you have been commissioned to go and do the work of Jesus. And he's with you and he will help you. Ask him for what you need and watch him provide so that you can bring glory to the Father. You're sent out from this place. <laughs>